Welcome to Unparalleled, a podcast about the future of risk management. I'm your host, Lori Solomon. And I'm your host, Michelle Bennett. Join us as we explore trending topics with some of the smartest, most forward-thinking leaders in the risk world. Sometimes, doesn't it feel like risk management has a branding problem? Today, we'll be talking about this branding problem and how we can fix it. We'll go on to talk about how environmental, social, and corporate governance, ESG, and diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI, are essential to the next generation of risk professionals, the importance of mentorship, and extracurriculars, inaccurate assumptions about the risk management profession, and how taking challenges that aren't traditionally thought of as risk management can make you indispensable. Today, we have Kristen Peed joining us to have a conversation around these important topics in the industry. Kristen is currently the Director of Corporate Risk Management of CBIZ. She has over 17 years of experience in the insurance industry. Kristen also serves on the Board of Directors for RIMS as a member of the Executive Committee and is a Risk PAC trustee. She was awarded as a 2016 Business Insurance Woman to Watch which globally recognizes the top women in risk management and insurance. Super excited to have you here with us, Kristen. Kristen, thanks for joining myself and Michelle Bennett. We're um, we're excited to talk with you and get your sense on a few things current for risk managers and the risk management industry. First off, you had talked to us quite a bit about ESG and DEI and sort of your views as to the critical importance of both of those areas now for risk managers current and coming into the profession. Give us a sense of, you know, your take on on both of these ideas and where do they fit into um, the main, the main of your work that you're, you're doing today? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of risk managers are responsible for their enterprise risk management for their company. They look at, you know, risks organically overall, um, that affect their, you know, company's dynamics and ESG and DE and I are really part of that ERM process. So for those of you who aren't familiar, um, ESG is environmental social and governance issues. And DEI is really one of those components. It's in the S piece. That's the diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, These are really important right now, especially for public companies, because they're going to be required to be disclosed on SEC um, disclosures. And, you know, really the risk managers can work with the leaders of the organization to understand how do you measure these things? How do you mitigate against these risks? And how do you utilize these as maybe an attraction and retention tool for your workforce? Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. How how have things changed noticeably for you in, in reference to some of these ideas? I mean, there's just been a lot more emphasis placed around these. Um, and I think it depends. 
depends on the type of company you are, right? So somebody, Lori, like a Coca-Cola, where you used to work in the past, is going to have very different ESG initiatives than somebody like Cebiz, who's a professional services firm and whose footprint might not be as carbon impactful as somebody who's doing manufacturing or transportation. So I think that, you know, where we will focus most of our stuff is on the S and the G. Like, how are we behaving as a corporation? How are we treating our employees and our shareholders and our stakeholders who include, you know, other people that our business impacts apart from just those shareholders? Absolutely. Just very current and very topical, I think, for for many folks right now in terms of how are they shifting into some of these ideas and really bringing them forward, not just in their companies, but through their risk management approach as well. Yeah. Anything else you want to add there? I would just say that um, really this can be something that differentiates you from your competitors when you're going out there looking for that talent. You know, young people are going to companies' websites and looking for their CSR reports or corporate social responsibility. They want to know that they're partnering with a company that has the greater good in mind and treats their employees well and their environment well and, you know, behaves properly because, you know, if you are paying attention to those types of things, I think profits will take care of itself and the company will grow and you really can't grow without talent. So, you know, really, if you kind of clean this up and focus on this, it will really help your company um, be better positioned to uh, be a employer of choice in the future. That's sort of a nice segue to me. One of the other um, points that I think we talked about briefly as we were preparing for this discussion was the whole idea, and you mentioned this, I think, that you felt like risk management may have a branding problem. Um, and I think we were all kind of intrigued by, by what you may have meant there. Um, and perhaps it ties into part of what we were just talking about. Give me a sense of what did you mean by that? And, and, and maybe where, where do you see things going? Right. So, I mean, I think part of the issue, um, and it extends out not only from risk management, but insurance overall. I try and start with when I'm talking to younger people, I'm like, this isn't your parents' insurance. (laughs) We aren't selling life insurance on the phone. So I think these younger folks really think that this is kind of a boring um, industry where insurance is a commodity and it's not anything that is exciting. When in reality, it's the exact opposite. We are providing solutions to really large companies about complex and complicated problems. And it's very relationship-driven. And it's funny because when I start to talk to kids about what I do, it's like I can see this light bulb start to go off in their head. It's really neat because this newer generation is inspired to make the world a greater place, right? I mean, you see it all on all the different social media platforms. They want um, better satisfaction. They want to make a difference, all of those things. And when I explain how my job every day makes a difference to how my company does and how I'm protecting my my fellow colleagues from injuries, from job loss, from you know any kind of pandemic thing where you know I'm creating business continuity plans that can help you know society as a whole continue forward 
you see this light bulb go off, like I said, and think, oh, I I want to help others. I, I could do that. I could be an in insurance. And so I think that's kind of neat. And so helping connect people who find that, that kind of career inspiring is that next step. And so in Northeast Ohio, we have a group called the Rising Risk Professionals. It's sponsored by RIMS. There's chapters in a lot of large cities around the country. And it's really neat because it's a great chance. It's a good chance or it's a chance for this newer generation to network and form social and professional bonds and really understand how do they make a difference? How do they chart a career path forward in this industry, which I think is anything but boring, but we just need to better message it. Absolutely. How do you, I mean, how do you think we can help make that connection for some of the younger people? I guess that's the the secret ingredient, isn't it? Yeah. So um, I think that, you know, One of the things that you see, I mean, and I talk about social media a lot, but I am not great at social media. So it's interesting at a company like CBIS, we now have this huge social media platform. We have an entire department that really manages kind of what we do. And I think that carriers and brokers and, you know, professional organizations like Gamma Iota Sigma or RIMS. Um, the CIAB can really come together and create this social platform awareness of all these different careers um, that we could have or these young people could have in our um, industry. The other thing that we need to kind of focus on, in my opinion, is the diversity in our industry. So traditionally, this has been, you know, not heavily in minorities. Females have had a good showing, but really to get that minority presence, we need to start really investing in HBCUs. And how do we get those investments out there? How do we start to recruit from those locations? Because you can't be what you can't see, right? And so if there's a young person at an HBCU and we're trying to recruit them and there's nobody ahead of him, you know, that's that's a problem. So we've got to start to figure out how to solve for that solution, especially with this talent gap coming. So I think diversifying and, um, you know, and it's part of the DE&I. So maybe spend a minute, Kristen, telling me a little bit about your path here. Um, and I know, you know, mentorship and mentoring, being mentored, being a mentor has been important to you as well. But Help us see your trajectory. How did you come to where you are and, and maybe how, how does mentorship and connectivity combine there? Yeah. So I, I think it always comes about being open. I say I am where I am today because of chicken pot pie. So <laughs> this is a really strange story, but it, it's <laughs> This true. is what I want to hear. <laughs> I always tell this story to my mentees because I think it's important that they understand that every step you take in life can have you know, a reaction from somebody else. And so I had the the luck to work for a large broker down in the Southeast. And once a week, I had to answer the phones at the front desk um, and I was at their corporate headquarters. And so the CEO, I would see him quite often and I'd always speak to him. And one day he came in and said that his wife was selling chicken pot pies as a fundraiser. And could I help her sell some of those chicken pot pies? It didn't occur to me that I should ask how many chicken pot pies or like anything like that. (laughs) I just went out and sold hundreds of chicken (laughs) pot. So um, I actually sold them out, and (laughs) 
I can make more chicken pot pies. But because of that one action, I got on this gentleman's radar and he was the CEO for one of the top 10 brokers in the world. And so when opportunities started popping up, he remembered my initiative and how I had, you know, taken this opportunity that might've seemed very, you know, beneath anybody else, but really taken hold of it. And so I got tapped for opportunities that I might not have gotten tapped for after that. Such a great example. (laughs) Yeah. And when I fast forward to when I moved to Cleveland, and this is, you know, many years after I had sold these chicken pot pies, (laughs) he called me in his office because I'd been with the company for about 11 years at that point. And he asked me, and I hadn't seen him in a few years because I'd moved on to a larger role. And he said, have you found a job in Cleveland? And I said, I had not. And he said, I'd like to make a phone call on your behalf. And lo and behold, the next day I had a phone call from another large broker who flew me up, offered me a job on the spot and really just kind of set my trajectory off to this like risk management career. So really, you know, being open to really strange opportunities, ever how they're disguised, whether chicken pot pies or, you know, just doing anything. I think people should be open and, um, and really want to take advantage of those things. And because I had this great advocacy and this great mentor um, along the way, it really made me feel like I needed to pay it forward. And I needed to offer that same kind of support to other young people who might be just as ambitious, just, just as energetic about things. And you know, while I might not have chicken pot pies to sell, I might have other things that I could have them help me with and really understand what drives them and how I could help them. It's uh, it's incredible, and I know that uh, a lot of those younger folks absolutely appreciate the um, the inclusion and the involvement. You know that kind of segues into knowing a little bit more about your background and seeing all the things that you do. I mean, how how do you how do you find the time to to do all of the volunteering that you do and the involvement with with Rims and and anything else? Yeah, I get asked this a lot, and I think part of it is. I don't actually have any children of my own. So that affords me free time that many other people do not have. But it also, I put pressure on myself then to really step forward and offer that mentorship where others may not have all that time. You know, small children, but once somebody's like in college and they're trying to figure out what they want to do, I just really get energized and I feed myself really great energy from these mentees that I, you know, work with. And it's just so rewarding for me on a personal level. It was funny. Um, I had an intern that started yesterday with me and he said, it's really amazing because I was talking to some people and I started thinking about it. He goes, you get nothing from helping all these folks out. And I go, that's not correct, Matt. I get everything from helping these people out. Mm -hmm. Like it's just so much more fulfilling than if I just did my job and didn't give the extra effort. So I think that, you know, you don't have to give as much time as I have the ability to give, but just giving back a little bit, really, it, it feels good. And it, I, I encourage other risk managers. And if they need ideas of how to get involved, I've got plenty of ideas and plenty of mentees to hand out. So <laughs> that's awesome. Can you think of, I mean, following on from what Michelle asked you too, you, you have had involvement and engagement in a lot of different areas and, and various various types of things too. Anything 
that you would highlight even specifically outside of the risk management world that you felt was especially valuable or um, good connecting for you, networking perhaps? I work with this one nonprofit group in the Cleveland area that I think does amazing work. There's a gentleman named Jimmy Malone. He does a scholarship foundation through a nonprofit called College Now. And College Now is focused on first-generation college students and minorities. And so these are individuals who may not have a parent they can turn to to say, well, how do I go meet with a professor? Or what should my study hours look like? Or how do I even pick a major? And so working with those kind of students with who may not want to have anything to do with insurance or risk management, maybe they want to be, you know, a scientist or they want to work in pharmacy or, you know, in tax or anything. So just helping them along the way, it's just been really rewarding. And sometimes they just want to hear from an adult which I'm always surprised that I'm an adult at this point. <laughs> they just sometimes want to have somebody who, you know, tells them, hey, it's going to be okay if you, you know, get a B on a test or if you aren't number one in your class. I just think that it's just having that interaction with these young folks has been really rewarding. And so I, that's one of the things that isn't related to insurance, although I always tell them about insurance as a career and opportunity, but that's been really cool. Great point, though. You know, it seems like anything that um, that you really do that engages either with young people, people who are looking to choose careers, make careers, decide upon changes. I mean, those are all such influential positions. And for those of us who have been around for a year or two, it's really a great way, I think, to 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 share what we've gotten from from our years and in, in the experience. What do you think is, this is a question we love to ask, what's, what is something you've mentioned a little bit already, but something that most people really do get wrong about risk management in our profession? Yeah, I think that sometimes people think, and it's funny because even some people in our own organization think all I do is buy the insurance. And I'm like, that is such a minuscule part of my job. Like I could do that piece with my eyes closed, like really risk management has been elevated at this point. We are really providing solutions to companies. And I think that we are uniquely positioned as well. Like I am one of a very few people at this company that has connections to every single department at the company. And, um, I kind of understand how the pieces fit together as well. So I may see risks or opportunities that somebody else may not see simply because they don't have fingers in all of the the pies, chicken pot pies, right? And also, I think a lot of times this is an area where women can shine. Like, you know, we talk about diversity and stuff. And um, I think some of the most successful risk managers out there, Lori included, are females because they have really um, developed soft skills around communication, about relationship building. And that is really what makes a great risk manager is somebody who can communicate well, get information, and then take that data that they get and convert it into solutions for the company. So that could be something like captive insurance, right? With the the hard market out here now, what does alternative risk financing look like? And how can you articulate that to your CFO to provide value? Or, you know, 
if you're doing an ERM assessment, how are you using that to help with the ESG initiative? So really, um, risk managers just need to t- take advantage of all the opportunities they have and raise their hand for more responsibilities. Such a, a great example, I think. Anything that you can highlight to leave us with um, a solid example of what you might have done to take on a challenge that might not traditionally be thought of as risk management, but something that really led you to be influential and, and appreciated for what you did. I don't know if you guys remember something that happened a couple of years ago, but it was called COVID. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's way in my rear view mirror at this point, but no, <laughs> not to not all kidding aside, I happened to be at a RIMS leadership forum down in Florida with some friends from China in late January of 2020. And in talking with them, they were telling me about this virus that was going on in China. And so I went back and I approached our chief of staff and I said, hey... I just want to put this on your radar. You know, I mean, my friends were talking about it. It's getting a little buzz. It's, I, I know you've seen it in the news, but I think something's going to happen. I don't know what though. And I, I, I've never wanted to be more wrong in my life now, mm. but um, I got the opportunity because I was at the right place at the right time with my hand raised Yeah, that's to, lead the key, the, I think. That, to lead the COVID response for a public company like CBIS, which has over 5,000 employees, over 100 offices. And I did it in conjunction with our brand new chief of staff, which gave me like a much deeper relationship with her. And I was the local contact for every single leader on the ground. And so my influence just went way up overnight. And I was available pretty much 24-7. I mean, it was incredible how many hours I worked. But through it, I just felt so much satisfaction because we didn't have layoffs. We didn't have to take furloughs. We did not have salary reductions. We didn't have benefits reductions. We were able to really rally through that and grow our business. And it was because I think of how we communicated to our employees and reminding ourselves of our core values, which was, um, you know, our things are our people matter, right? And so as long as we kept and we do the right thing. So if we kept our core values in place, you know, we were going to come out it on the other side stronger. So, you know, fast forward two years, you know, getting through OSHA testing, getting through all the different um, regulatory requirements with the state. You know, I, I'm, it just, it was a really rewarding experience. I'm not sure I want to relive it again anytime. <laughs> Once and done. Glad that I have crisis management experience on my resume. <laughs> Honestly, um, it, this has been a really varied and interesting conversation. Michelle, anything else you wanted to toss in? No, I'm continuously impressed when in all of these conversations that we have with the depth and breadth of of the experience that that everybody brings to the table. So, thank you, Kristen. It's been this has been great, Kristen. Anything else before we finish that you feel like you'd like to leave with our audience or our listeners? You know, I just think it's neat to see InsureTech come up and really come to the forefront of the insurance world. Because as risk managers, as you've heard, we're being asked to do more, right? 
but we don't necessarily get the staff to go along with that. And so solutions like LineSlip or other insure tech companies, what they're providing is really another set of hands and another set of eyes to help risk managers really better do their job and be more efficient and effective at communicating important data. Like I talked about data and how do you turn data into solutions? So I'm loving this new insure tech kind of revolution and seeing where that's going to lead us in the future. And I think that will be really attractive to this next generation as well. Lots of really good, exciting stuff going on right now. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Kristen. We hope that today's episode was informative, relevant, and enlightening. If you like this episode, check out our other episodes and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Looking forward to having you join us again as we delve into the future of risk management.